Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Well, welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, where theology matters. So we are back here talking about the covenants, and uh, we will, through talking about the covenants, we'll discuss covenant theology and dispensationalism. Um, just a reminder, I'm a progressive dispensationalist, which is a little bit different than those first line or even second line dispensationalists. Though you're not even totally in lockstep with all progressives. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I think your view of the rapture is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. different, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Michael here, the other Michael, is representing um, hardline mm-hmm. covenant theology, <laughs> i.e. full-on reformed, except for the paedo-baptist, which is not necessarily reformed, but... Don't tell a Presbyterian that. <laughs> yeah, that's a big, you know, like, oh, you're, you reformed Baptists aren't really reformed. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So last time we talked about, I, I wouldn't describe it as hardline, but yes, I, I do think that I'm, as far as I know, pretty well fully in line with a classical mm-hmm. reformed covenant theology. Yeah. So I was just gonna say, last time we talked a little bit about um, the beginning, and uh, mm-hmm. talked about what uh, covenant theolo- theologians call the covenant of works. Mm-hmm. Um, or variously the covenant of creation or the covenant with Adam. Yeah. Some of them like to come up with new terms and then describe it exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, So when I was going through, I don't know if this was for seminary. I know Joel and I read through progressive dispensationalism Mm -hmm. back when he came on. Maybe then, but it seemed like there was a lot of overlap. And so I just kind of adopted for myself what seemed common, the common thread was kind of the name ending in IC as calling it. So I had always just called it Edenic as far as the dispensations, Adamic, Noahic. Yeah. So so those are the ones we've covered so far. So if, if you miss those, you can go back and listen to them. So we're going to be talking about the Abrahamic covenant today. And uh, at least for me, I, I'm assuming you probably agree this is like the premier covenant of the Bible. Cause I see the new covenant being birthed out of the Abrahamic covenant. It's like the, the start, uh, the, the seedlings of, of the, the eventual new covenant. I don't know if you see it the same way. Um, I would see the covenant of grace, uh, of being an eternal plan of redemption. And therefore, as we discussed a minute ago, you know, Genesis 3 is the first promise of the covenant of grace. I, th- I believe that the New Testament, the new covenant, is the instantiation of the new covenant at the cross. But I believe that Old Testament believers were saved by virtue of Christ under the rubric of the covenant of grace. So... In some sense, depending on how you want to look at it, I might think of the, at least the spiritual half of the Abrahamic covenant as coming out of the covenant of grace rather mm-hmm. than it coming out of it. So, but I don't know that that's really different from what you're trying to say. Yeah, and when I've taught this before, 
I have kind of expressed the same thing, like the Edemic Covenant, i.e. the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, uh, the first hint at the gospel or, or reveal, reveal the gospel. It gives you some details. I'm not even sure, looking back, how much they understood. It's hard for... Uh, there's some folks that would say, oh, yeah, Adam walked with the Lord. The Lord would have told him everything. And then I've also read some folks that say maybe they didn't really understand everything that was going on because it seemed like Eve thought that Seth was the I've person. Heard, I've heard that, and that yeah. seems reasonable. Yeah. I have no idea why we would try to be dogmatic. Right. Um, we know what Eve was told. She may have been told more. Right. Adam may have been told more. Um, it does seem like Christ later, uh, or John, Christ telling us through John, whatever, um, it seems like Abraham had revelation outside of what Scripture records God giving him because he was looking forward to the day of Christ. Right. And that, that seems to be, you know, by the time that's said, you know, you're maybe in Genesis 15 to 20 ish, and I'm, I'm not seeing lots of detailed messa- right. messianic type of passages by then. So it, it seems like there's extra information that God is revealing, but how much and when, yeah. I, how do you answer that? Yeah. Yeah. And just to circle back what we were, uh, what I was answering was when I've taught it before, you know, I've talked about the Adamic covenant and then the Abrahamic covenant more fully fleshing that out, like giving more meat on the bones. And then, of course, the new covenant is where that's finally seen. So I think it's probably pretty much in line with what you're saying. Yeah, but I would say, you know, Abraham seems to have had more information, but I also, I don't know that that, whole expansiveness of revelation stayed with the people of God um, because I think later on people had access to scripture and that was all. And the old Testament seems to be something that's coming um, by greater and greater revelation as you move through the history and especially get into the prophets and there's more information. So I think, you know, like Simeon and Anna, by the time of Christ being born, I think they had a much clearer picture um, of what the Messiah, the kingdom of God was going to look like than Eve did, than the, you know, the Israelites that were taken out of Egypt. I don't know that they had much detail at all, except God's going to deliver you. There will be right. a, a redeemer. And so I don't, I think we're saying similar I th- things yeah, I there. Think, yeah, yeah. I, I think we agree. If I was reading my notes, um, from when I did teach it, I have that the Abrahamic covenant puts feet to the Adamic covenant. It kind of just gives us gives the reader a little more, at least the reader, even though Adam may have had more information, mm-hmm. the reader is now going to get more information about, all right, what does it mean for God to, to deliver his people? Um, and, of course, there's progressive revelation. We're going to get more through the prophets, Isaiah, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So. Um. As we were talking about before we started, I have. If you read through Genesis, you're going to see several times where God and Abraham talk. Uh, God and Abram, and then his name gets changed to Abraham. Uh, so the the text of this particular covenant, um, I think, are, is not all in one spot. 
and that problem is only going to get further compounded when we start talking about the Mosaic Covenant because you know we would need to read you know full on books to you. I don't think y'all want us just reading the books to you for the podcast. Maybe you do. Write us if that's what you want. Deuteronomy <laughs> takes a while, though. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that'd be several episodes just to read. Right, yeah. And we're not good at keeping commentary short, so. <laughs> um, so I thought maybe we would read these. Maybe we'll take turns so that our voices don't get weary and, and the listeners' ears don't get weary. So my first spot is uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. So I'll take that one, and then uh, I think my next spot is uh, 13, 14 through 17, if you want to take, take that one, and we'll just try to get the text on board, and then we can talk about it. Um, so this is Genesis 12, 1, NASB. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Chapter 13, starting in verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you see i will give to you and to your offspring forever i will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth your offspring also can be counted arise walk through the length and the breadth of the land for i will give it to you all right the next one i have is genesis 15:5 and uh, so this is kind of probably, at least to me, probably the premier location of the covenant. Uh, there's quite a bit made about this because this is how a contract could, would be made between two people back in the day. So they would take some number of animals, cut them in half, make the contract, and then walk in between the animals. And then what I've read, I, w I didn't live that time, so I only have what, Hebrew scholars have told me, but the by walking through them, they were signifying that if either one of us break our promise to each other, let us be cut in half by, like these birds were, or like these animals were. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so this is fifteen five, and he, that's um, God, took him, that's Abram, outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. Did I get my uh, passages mixed up? No. Okay. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and possess it. He said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. So that uh, keeps going. I don't know why I don't have that in my power. You want to keep sure. going? Because I don't have that in my slides. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. 
As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenazites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Yeah, so I knew there was a reason I had you uh, pick up and <laughs> hit the tribal names. Um, uh, yeah, so what we see here is uh, God causing Abram to fall asleep, and then God alone passes through um, those animals so that the promise is really resting on God himself. A- Abram's not part of part of it. It's what I've heard referred to as a self-maledictory oath. I will do this, and if I do not do this, I will be punished myself for not doing it. And, of course, the idea or the thought of God not fulfilling a vow that he's made is Mm -hmm. just rubbish. Yeah. All right, 17.1. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Uh, and then got a couple more here. You want to pick up uh, 18, 17? Well, the next five verses you introduce the going? covenant of circumcision. Okay, we can talk we, about I mean, We don't need to read it, but it's where the sign of the covenant made with Abram, right. Abraham is circumcision of all males. All right, then 1817, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And this is him talking about um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then um, the last place I have is 2215 through 18. You want to pick that one up? Sure. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, 
Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. All right, so a lot of overlap there. Lots of times Abraham's going to be called great. There's going to be a great nation that comes from him. Land is given to him a couple times. Um, he's going to bless all the earth through him. Let me see. Shall we, uh, those who bless him will be blessed. Those who cursed him will be cursed. Let's see if I've missed any. Um, so, um, I, I guess probably is here where we'll start to see a, a tiny bit of divide between us. Because we, we dispensationalists would take all of those to be unconditional covenants that are everlasting. And you may say, yes, but uh, so you may nuance that a little bit. And, and they're to Abraham and to his seed. Now, where I think I would break from the other dispensationalists and where we would agree is that the ultimate fulfillment of that is in Christ, who is the descendant of Abraham, and all those things accrue to Christ. Um, and so then, you know, like when in Ephesians, where it talks about the dividing wall being taken down, the Gentiles who are grafted in to Christ are once, they once were far off from the promises, but now they're brought near. Paul would talk about being grafted in the wild olive tree um, in Romans and some of the branches being cut off. I, I, and he talks about the root being the, the promises and the, the fathers. I think he says fathers there. I know he says promises. Um, and so I think we both see the church as one body united in Christ but then I still see Christ as the recipient, ultimate recipient of the fulfillment of this promise. Galatians, Paul would talk about um, how the promise was given to the seed, not to the seeds, to one, not to the many, and then his ultimate fulfillment is in Christ. So I've said a lot, anything you want to nuance differently or how you would maybe take it a little bit differently? Um, so I see the Abrahamic covenant as having two sides. Uh, there's a natural side, which comes to fruition in the Mosaic covenant and the people of Israel. And then there's the spiritual side. Um, and the reason I say that is it's very hard to get away from the fact that there are some natural lineage promises that are made. I mean, specific mention of the people of Israel and their captivity in Egypt and their subsequent exodus and return to the land of Canaan is made. And yet the promise is that by Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed or a different rendering is will bless themselves by him. And in Galatians, it, ma it makes it very clear that we are Abraham's children if we share in faith as he has. And so I think that there are two distinct parts that aren't necessarily so clearly 
demarcated in the overall giving of the covenant Mm -hmm. that we read. I think God is making a covenant with him and part of it's going to work out this way and part of it's going to work out this way. Um, Is that... Yeah, so would you see the spiritual side as unconditional? Yes. Um, and so there was, yeah, so last time I taught through this, there was some pushback I got from the, the class. I, don't, I had, had to get some brow bruisers in there next time to, to beat them down. <laughs> but they were mentioning how the covenant skipped over Ishmael, skipped over Esau, and therefore it was conditional on the person. And I, I pushed back and I was like, well, the unconditional nature of the covenant is that God is bringing this about regardless. The benefits of that may skip some generations. That's not what we're talking about. Like, There's no way to undo the fact that God is going to bless all the nations through Abraham's lineage. That's the unconditional part. Um, although some individuals along the way may not partake in actual redemption. Um, so that's what I mean by unconditional. Like There was nothing that Abraham or his lineage could do to break the, the spiritual side of the covenant, so to speak. And because of my view of God's immutability and sovereignty, I would want to somewhat argue... I'm trying to see if I'm about to get myself in trouble. I don't think I am. Uh, I think that the natural side of the Abrahamic covenant was unconditional as well. Well, that's what my second question was. I think that's what we see when the covenant's actually cut. I mean, that's the terminology is cutting a covenant. When it's actually cut, Abraham's not a part of that ceremony. He he prepares it, but God is the one that actually undergoes it. And so I, I don't see... I don't see that there's any conditionality to the promises of God to bring a people through whom the Messiah is going to come. Mm-hmm. I also don't know that that necessitates in any way that every single person who can claim Abraham as a um, ancestor. Thinking, thanks. I was like descendant. That's the other way. <laughs> ancestor. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that every single descendant is thereby because God has a plan that's going to come through the physical offspring of right. Abraham. But that doesn't. In my mind, I don't understand why right. you would say something about it broke or was conditional because Ishmael's not included in that. I don't see anything that necessitates that Ishmael would be. In fact. Later on, Abraham marries Keturah, I think, is his second wife after Sarah dies. And he has other sons and daughters, but they don't get anything. Like, so the, the child of promise was Isaac. That's, yeah. that, that was what God was working right. out. Other stuff can happen, but that doesn't necessitate that it's included. So, uh, yeah, so I don't disagree with anything that you said, but then it, I pause... How do you reconcile? Because I would say that the physical things are going to be brought about. And, of course, I see that happening in the millennial reign, which is one place where we do disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, So if Christ is the physical descendant of Abraham, and he is, and he does take over that land and rule from that area and sets up his rule on earth, 
the church is there with him, which is a mixed group now, ethnicity-wise. It's and both Jews clear, and that, Gentiles. This is where you diverge from most of progressive dispensationalism as well. M- maybe. Yeah, sorry. Um, maybe I do. I, I, I'm trying to remember because, you know, I read through the this book by Blaze and some other guy called Progressive Dispensationalist, and I thought I agreed with most of what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. But I, definitely the second line, Dispensationalist, I would disagree with at this point in time. Um, so if Christ comes and set up his rule, then it seems like, okay, yeah, he's he's reigning from this place, and then it's going to be everlasting as it shifts into eternity. I guess is that how you... In your mind, the the everlasting part of the land comes when heaven and earth are made new. Um, well, I, I think God gave Abraham's descendants the land that He promised to give them. Well, he, yes, but then they lost it. You know, so not to get ahead of ourselves in the Mosaic Covenant. So I I see Mosaic Covenant as breakable. Very conditional. Yeah, yeah. If then, if then. You're right, right. Um, And I I guess the breaking of it is you break it, then you get punished really bad. And the punishments get really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they lost the land because of their behavior, then um, even like in uh, Deuteronomy where it talks about, um, you know, their, their punishments, he says, you know, except the, but for your the your father Abraham and I will remember them and my covenant with them and I will restore you to the land. There's that type of language in there, so that it leads me to believe or interpret what Scripture is saying is that there, even though that they can really mess up for a season and it's been taken away from them and Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. because of how they dealt with the sun there's eventually going to be a restoration to Abraham's seed of that land and it will be for everlasting. All right. So I don't want to like paint myself in a corner and absolutely commit to stuff that I haven't necessarily worked out all completely. But if you look in 13, it's Genesis 13. Yeah. Genesis 13. God tells him to look at the four points of the compass. Right. And says, I will give this to your offspring forever. Right. Later, in the end of 15, when the land of Israel is marked out, it just says, I'll give to this off- to your offspring, I give this land. There's, I don't know if it's significant that it's lacking the forever promise so that you could say that the first time he's telling Abraham, your spiritual offspring inherit the whole earth. And the second time he's talking about what he's going to do through the nation of Israel. But it, it seems to me, again, like there's these two different pieces that are moving. And we see them more clearly through subsequent revelation, more so than we do in the immediate context as it's being given. So just make sure I understand... So you're suggesting perhaps that 13 says forever, but could be just as immediate offspring. 15 is where God does the covenant cutting himself 
walks through the animals and that's the everlasting part. Well, that's still no, the everlasting no. part. The everlasting is in 13 where he says, look, north, south, east, and west as far as you can see. Right. But, but in 15 when it says from this point to that point and it's actually kind of setting up boundaries, mm-hmm. it just says, I give your offspring the land of these people. Right. But it doesn't say for an everlasting possession or anything. I mean, so uh, maybe answering. I'm just trying to understand what you're. So you're saying that he's saying I'm going to give it to you, but it's not. I'm not giving it to you forever. Potentially, yeah. Because I, I mean, later on, I think it's very clear that the Gentiles are brought in. Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. The, there's one man, one new man made out of the two, but those who are far off are brought near. Mm-hmm. Those who are estranged from the promises of Israel are brought to the commonwealth, the promises and all of that. So right. it's not that the church has replaced Israel. It's that the church is the continuation of Israel now under the new covenant. And so everything that was promised to Israel becomes true we we get the whole earth we don't just get a piece of land in palestine we will inherit the entire earth right so yeah and the dispy in me would would agree with all that but i would phrase it differently i would say christ gets the whole earth and then since we're in christ we join in with him in that and i and that may be a distinction without a difference um but I see that promise going to him, and then all those who are in him get the fullness of those promises. I don't see a difference there. But it, to me, it excludes the idea of um, a particularly Jewish, but a millennial kingdom where Christ is doing some sort of a temporary reign. Uh, some people even, I, th- I, th- I think you would say that during the millennium, Christ has a worldwide reign that is based out of Jerusalem. Right. I don't think that's the way everybody views it, but... Um, Have you heard differently than that? I, I feel like I've heard teachers that talk about him coming to reign in Israel hmm. with the idea that there's also these nations out there, and I'm not really sure what's going on with that. But those are the ones who then end up with the rebellion that rise up at the end of the thousand years. And it never, there were too many moving pieces that never really made yeah. much sense to me. Yeah, so I went to seminary, but I got a philosophy degree with an emphasis on apologetics. So um, while I've read a lot on theology, there's probably some things that I had not been exposed to. So I'm just unfamiliar with what some some other people might believe in these areas. I mean, if you get a thousand theologians, you'll probably get two thousand opinions. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's how we work, right? If you throw Latin flowers in there, the game is over. <laughs> you also so get, it could be this or this or this or you know. Yeah, and you get the as the, long as it's not Calvinism, right? And God's not sovereign. That's more of a let's get Stephen back Anderson. on track. Sovereignty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so I would see Christ ruling from Jerusalem, real wide rule. How do people rebel under Christ's rule? I think we're getting. I, can we touch on that more with David? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's that. 
I'm just talking about this as being the ultimate fulfillment, that being the, part of the ultimate fulfillment of this. Obviously, I see that as being part of the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, which is a couple episodes down the road as well. So, And I see the day of the Lord ushering in eternity as the time when these, which are shadowy, prototypical promises, are actually completely fulfilled and their anti-type comes. So I... Uh, I think I've, I very heavily subscribe to the idea of types and patterns and shadows in the Old Testament for which Christ is the fulfillment, not necessarily in his first advent. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you'd want to say about the Abrahamic covenant? Anything we've left unsaid about the Abrahamic covenant? I just kind of want to go back and restress that there's, two sides to it it's not um it's not that god's plan a was all israel and oopsie they didn't end up keeping the mosaic covenant so we'll have to figure something else out and okay i guess we can bring the gentile i mean it's very clear all the nations of the earth all the families of the earth are going to bless themselves Mm -hmm. by abraham i don't think old testament israel really understood what that meant and if they tried to I think they probably had a different understanding of how that was going to work. I think they probably took Isaiah very literally that they were going to just continue to grow in power and have subservient nations that would be forced to come to Jerusalem. Um, But based on subsequent revelation, especially in the New Testament, we can see that the Abrahamic covenant had one side that was leading to a particular people that were going to bring the Messiah and one side that was... And so that was not salvific in nature. The land and the... The land and the people and the nation of Israel was to bring the Messiah, which obviously relates to salvation, but mm-hmm. being part of that side of the covenant did not have anything directly to do with whether or not someone was saved. Simply by being of the line of Israel, you know, being a descendant directly of Jacob, you got into that covenant or that part of the covenant. And then the other half is the spiritual where it's his spiritual offspring. So you have his, his, his natural offspring versus his spiritual offspring. Yeah. I, I I don't think I disagree with anything you've said there. I don't know. I probably wouldn't stress the two sides of the covenant as strongly as you do. Um, Although I think it's clear you can see there are some physical things and then there are some spiritual things that are blessed. I'm not sure what the difference is. I mean, I guess the difference you're making is that every physical descendant of Abraham enjoyed the physical things for a time, for a season. We're beginning to transition towards Moses. I would say the Mosaic Covenant is something that governs the natural side of the Abrahamic Covenant that the Mosaic covenant was not a salvific covenant, that it was a conditional covenant to govern a people for the purpose of bringing about the Messiah. Yeah. I don't disagree there either. Um, there was, so at least in my mind, once we get to the Abrahamic covenant, um, there, God gives these two covenants, Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, Solomonic covenants, and they're kind of partnered up. They're like the unconditional one followed by the conditional one, unconditional one followed by the 
the unconditional one. And like the unconditional ones are like for the here and now, how is this going to immediately work out? And the unconditional like for the, how does this ultimately get worked out? Generally agree. Thinking. I'd have to thinking. think through yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's generally the, the same. I'm just not sure where the, Yeah, ultimately the and this is I think it was these verses or verses similar to it that were requoted where uh Jesus reads from a scroll and he talks about the inclusion of the Gentiles and they take him out to the cliff and we're gonna kill him because they were angry. He's like, What are you talking about? Inclusion of the Gentiles. You remember this? That's the first time that they got angry to to kill him was because of his um You remember which gospel that's in? Uh no. Because I, I remember him reading from the scroll, and I think it's Isaiah 61. The word he says in this, this in the, today in this hearing, this has been fulfilled. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, that may be it, but I think if you read it, there's some um, stuff about the Gentiles. We'll, maybe we'll research that, and this will be a cliffhanger for the next the start of the next podcast. Uh, so he reads from Isaiah 61 and then he starts talking about how in the days of Elijah basically no miracles were done in Israel it was only in the land of Sidon which was Gentiles and then um, none of the lepers of Israel were cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian and then they take him up to throw him off right I don't see any reference to about to this to this yeah uh, i mean yeah it's it's talking about god showing favor outside of israel right 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 specifically to the exclusion of israel right yeah yeah Let's try to connect those two okay uh, they're, they're just not i'm not saying that he was reading i didn't think he was reading this particular covenant but something that would have come potentially spurred spun off this covenant that God is going to bless outside nations, mm-hmm. which the Jews had kind of missed and got so mad about Jesus saying that, that they were going to kill him. But passing through their midst, he went away. Right. Yeah. Really? <laughs> you can't give me a little more than that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he probably enabled, you know, like what the, uh, did he have a barf drone or something? No, what the, it's not the Klingons, but the other folks, the cloaking technology yeah the cloaking technology you didn't catch my reference what's that no a barf drone yeah i don't know what that is you've seen the movie sorry oh the uh yeah the, uh, the spider-man stuff yeah oh yeah i did yeah so all right we better uh better wrap this up yeah oh okay we're going to a different episode for moses yeah we'll do moses in a different episode try to keep these reasonably short in 30 minutes plus or minus 10 we're, we're close I forgot our line. <laughs> you say, think, think well. well. I say, do justice. I say, love mercy. And I say, walk humbly. And then we both say bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks. <laughs>
the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. 